1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome to another edition of the Full Court Press. I'll J. Salveson, Eric Franson, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, and 1069thefan.com. Grateful for you guys to be joining us wherever and however you are doing so. Hope you're uh, Wednesday? Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday is as good as ours has been. You rightfully deserve it. Uh, a lot to get through today. Uh, some pretty good topics to hammer through. Uh, we had Ryan Grunig. Eric Franson did an interview with Ryan Grunig who uh, shared some thoughts on COVID-19 and how it's impacted high school sports in a big way. Uh, and the plea from the high school students and a petition that's being signed to help them be to help them get sports back. The problem is, is from the people we've talked to, it's not going to happen, which is an unfortunate thing, but understandably so. Uh, we also got Mountain West Conference Commissioner Part 2. Uh, you'll hear from Commissioner Thompson, uh, who uh, has uh, some thoughts on the football season and such. Speaking of Mountain West Conference, the Group of Five pool that came out, thoughts and percentages on Commissioner Thompson, the Mountain West Conference, and its competitive route as well. You'll be surprised by some of the percentages and how they rate. Uh, we'll get that. I know we were supposed to talk about that yesterday. We ran out of time. Uh, it, was grateful. it was great to have Casey Smithway on with us and uh, talk with him about Southern Utah. So we'll do the group of five stuff today. Uh, news coming out of the NHL that they are not going to be doing neutral sites. That they decided that they're going to try and look at regional sites within the conferences or divisions of the NHL in each conference. Whether that will work or not is still yet to be determined. Also, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, what do they have in common? They're good at golf. In fact, they are looking forward to doing a charity uh, golf event. No crowds, no spectators of any such. It would be filmed, or excuse me, it would be on TNT Live. Uh, they are still looking for a location and a time that is all TBA um as of right now. And of course, the Red Sox stripped of a pick and Cora and as a staff and the staffer is, or I guess the staffer who was a film guy is suspended. Not as harsh of a punishment on the Red Sox as it was the Astros. Many saying that's because they really didn't do anything is what their claim is. When I say there, I mean the Boston Red Sox fans. Eric Franson joining me here in the studio. Eric, good afternoon. How are we? Hi. Uh, we started late. Great. I, th- I thought you were in here and you weren't. So, <laughs> <laughs> I walked in here and I was like, oh crap, he's not here. And our show's <laughs> yeah. supposed to start. I apologize for that. I was wrapping up an online version of an interview that we're going to be playing. Which I'm excited about, by This the way. hour. Yep. Uh, nice recognition for uh, Ryan Grunick, the athletic director at Skyview High School. Uh, recently recognized as basically the, the top high school athletic director in the state of Utah. No big deal. No big deal. That's across all classifications. It's not just 4A. It's not just Region 11. It's in the entire state. Do you see what Mason Faltzlove can do for you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not just him. I mean, uh, yeah, that's men's basketball, boys' basketball and football, but they also won a state title in soccer last spring. They've had a number of great uh, swimmers uh, win state titles. Uh, they're very competitive in a lot of different sports at Skyview. So it, it makes sense that uh, they get some kind of recognition for the string of success they've had lately. Yeah, rightfully so. And so it'll be great to hear your conversation with Ryan. Uh, and we'll get a little bit more of a teaser into that in about, we'll play that at about 420. You'll hear from Ryan Grunick. And then about 430, 434, uh, you're going to hear from Commissioner Thompson. 
Uh, and then, we'll, like I said, about 4.45, we'll talk about the Group of Five uh, poll that came out specifically on the Mountain West Conference. Eric, I want to start here. We kind of teased a couple of topics. Uh, did want to ask you about NHL no longer considering neutral sites, that they're thinking that just about playing uh, each division within a regional site of that division, if that makes sense. So, for example, uh, you would have the Carolina Hurricanes. They'd be in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, you would have Minnesota Wild would be in the Central Division. They'd host... That division, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Carolina Hurricanes would host that division of games. Edmonton Oilers in the Pacific Division would host that division's amount of games. There are still 189 games to be played. With that many games still left, and you've had this long of a break in the season, is it, I mean, with basketball, it's possible because you only have 18 regular season games, playoffs, and that's it. No, Well, no. So that's 159 cumulative games in the NHL. Or yeah. whatever you said the number was. Yeah, 189, sorry. The cumulative number for the NBA is more like 280 or 290. Oh, good point. I see because what you're there's saying. Like 18, That's a good point. 18 games for the Jazz, Jazz to be played. Some teams still have 20, 20 games to be played. And you start to add that up times 32, and that's where you get... That's a lot of games that need to be played. That's what makes it difficult when you try to look at just a finite number of venues to do this. To play these games out. And the biggest thing, I the thing I keep hearing the most from MLB, NHL, and NBA is we need to give our players time to get in shape because they've been sitting at home. Some don't have a basketball court to go to. So are many sitting- of an NHL player? Oh, yeah. Where are you, you going to go skating at? This time of year? Where are you going to get on the ice? Yeah. So the, I think you have to give them how long would you give the – would it be different for the NHL and NBA than, say – I don't think so, but I think you need two weeks. Um, I think you give them both two weeks because it's going to affect everybody equally. Um, yeah, there's probably going to be some guys in the NBA that have home gyms or have access to a you know private gym. They can get in and put up some hoops. But the the, the uh, physical ability to um, what's the word I'm looking for? The endurance that's necessary for both of those sports is what would be necessary to get you know, their bodies back to where they need to be for these games to start being meaningful again and to avoid serious injury. That's And that's the other thing. But with the contact that NHL has, right, in, in, I mean, smashing each other against the boards, uh, clocking each other, you know, even, you know, away from the boards, just the middle of the ice. That kind of contact, I think, gives you the necessity to have a week or two more than the NBA. At least three weeks they need. To be on ice, to skate around, to get that contact back to him, and, and I mean, because then you're, I mean, then you immediately go into action, regular season action, and I think it's just as more important than if you have preseason hockey or preseason basketball. Three weeks would be my hope, but I think you're, I think they give him two weeks, at best. Do you? I mean, and this, I don't think it's a similar thing with Major League Baseball. Good point. Uh, you, you're going to need some time. It's like a mini training camp. You have to do it again to get arms back. Because they still haven't had their again. opening day. Right. They haven't even do they started play their one? They never started their season. They did spring, um, but they, they never really got to their opening day. Okay, so let's be realistic. Do they play 162? I, I don't think so. I, I think it's too hard now. I think there's a way forward doing it if you do double headers and only seven innings in those double headers. But 
if you plan on look every Saturday we're going to do a double header and we're only going to do seven innings for each game that's a way to get caught up but I don't know if you can still get them all in what so what would the what would your guess number be a hundred do you t- take off 62 off the schedule and play 100 games? Or is that still too many? Uh, I don't know. I mean, 80? it may be possible. and you, you have to probably stretch the season still into a little bit later in November. But I think the only way forward is if it maybe even start the season somewhere uh, in like Arizona um, where you use multiple venues in one place. But as things start to open up, you go other places. But like state of California... They're acting like they're not going to open anything to groups uh, of, of people until 2021. See, and I think they're going to back off that. And that I seems do. hard for me to pre- for. How do you predict where things are right, right now, the world we're in? How do you predict what things are going to look like in four months, five months, six months? I, I just think that's impossible. Because right now, I mean, the numbers are showing that we're on the downward trend on this thing. But if... I think the the concern among a lot of medical professionals is that if you open things up too quickly, then there's a second wave. And uh, with the Spanish flu back in 1918, the second wave was far more deadly than the first initial one. But, I don't know. Uh, by the way, speaking of Major League Baseball, they have come out. They've concluded their investigation into the Boston Red Sox. They are going to strip the Boston Red Sox of their second round pick they're going to suspend the team's replay operator for one year, and Alex Cora will be suspended for the 2020 season for his role in the Astros sign stealing case. But he doesn't get punished for his role with Boston. They're just gonna be like, all right, like so it cancels it out because he did it with the Astros. He doesn't have to get punished by the with the Red Sox situation. I know it's just it's just odd that. This, these investigations continue to say these were player-driven, and yet there are no penalties whatsoever on the players. Okay, so here's my other question with this. So, I mean, when we were getting ready for opening day and going through spring training, the word every day was, which Astros is going to get beaned today? Is it going to be Altuve? Is it going to be Seager? Or not Seager, Springer? I mean, who's going who's gonna to take one to the ribs? Does that die down now because of this COVID nineteen? I was going to say, if there's a team that's benefiting, that's quietly from this, happy about what's going on, not I mean, happy is not the right word, but uh, that maybe benefit, benefiting, benefiting from, from this, it, or the Houston Astros. Because suddenly, when baseball resumes, everybody's like, "Huh, baseball! I don't care what happened. We have baseball." And then, like when like Altuve gets pinned, why did you beat him? You need to do that. Does it? I, that, that's the thing. Does the hatred die down? The anger die down. The thing is definitely muted. Absolutely, I'm with you. He'll probably still. They'll probably still hear booze, but I don't know if it'll be as vigorous. It may just be, you know, when you go to the uh, the community theater and they have the the villain. Everybody's like, "Ooh, boo, hiss!" You know, when he comes <laughs> out. But then it's like, okay, we're gonna enjoy the show. I think it's gonna be the same thing with the Houston Astros. I, uh, I'm with you. That's why I'm kind of mad that baseball didn't get it started on time because I wanted to see it. Those guys cheated. They broke the rules, and they they got off pretty clean, too, from the punishment. It wasn't really that big of a punishment. Uh, here's what Rob Manfred said. Uh, it says, as with the Astros investigation, Red Sox players were promised immunity 
in the investigation, but Manfred said that even if players had been subject to discipline, none would have been punished. Hmm. That's fishy to me. I don't know. I mean, they, they're maintaining this this uh, position that we wouldn't be able to conduct a meaningful investigation and get the information we need if we didn't offer immunity to the players. I, under, I understand that. But then to turn around and say this was player-driven and there's nothing happens to them, I don't know. It's just hard to swallow. I get it, but it's hard to swallow. Hey, speaking of live content finally coming back, the NFL Draft, whoopity do <laughs> for a lot of us, uh, is going to air tomorrow without fans, without spectators, and from Roger Goodell's basement. The draft will start tomorrow at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Round That'll be round one. Rounds two and three will be at 5 p.m. on Friday, and rounds four through seven will be at 10 a.m. on Saturday. So, Ajay, we were... Earlier on in this draft process, hearing a lot of quote-unquote draft experts and analysts almost unanimously saying that Jordan Love was going to be a top 15, maybe even at the very least a top 20 pick. We, I even saw one that had him as a top 10 pick. Now, on the just days before the NFL draft, I'm having a hard time finding any mock draft that has him in the first round. What's happened, AJ? Where did he go? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate. They don't know. Like the mock drafts are the mock drafts. You don't know who is actually eyeballing Jordan Love and is trying like crazy to trade up to get him as a quarterback, knowing that there's 12, 13 other teams that want him as well. So the mock draft says, well, yeah, he's fallen off a ship. The coach, the NFL scout, the GM say, hey, that's our guy. We want him. What do we got to do to get him? How do we get another pick in the first round? So because if he's not gone in the first round, I can sure as heck tell you right now, he is gone extremely early in the second round. Yeah. Top five picks. Absolutely. So GMs and NFL scouts are finding a way to get there, to get to that first round. So the mock drafts, I don't know what happened. If the mock drafts just got bored of Jordan Love, if they just didn't have enough, if they were tired of the topic. But I still think he's a very easily top 15 pick. I really think it's interesting what Dane Brugler said from The Athletic when he joined us. Was that last week? Yeah. A week and a half ago? He said that I've heard a lot of teams say that they like Jordan Love, they don't but I haven't love. heard anybody say that they love and, they, and what he said to that, and for reason is, is because they look at the 18-19 seasons. Now, flip-flop it, he says. Take that 18 season and put it in 2019. Where is he standing at right now as a pick? Is he top five? Is he top six? Well, that, So the other thing, too, is I think that he... I posed this question on Twitter. I've been getting some interesting responses today. But uh, I think that part of it is that teams only have that 19 film that they're focusing on. They haven't had a chance to work him out in private. And I think if they worked him out privately... That's a good point. Then I think it would be very different. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, is that uh, teams, uh, college teams didn't have their pro days. I, I saw this floated about a week and a half ago 
saying that this could be the most unique draft ever, not just because it's all electronically and people are timing in on Zoom meetings or whatnot, but because when you have these pro days, there's a lot of scouts that show up from all over the NFL, these schools, and they're all next to each other when they're evaluating the player doing their thing. So whether they mean to or not, there's a sense of group think that happens. And they all kind of convince themselves that they all agree on the same things when watching or evaluating these players. This year's draft, they don't have that. So it's as much of a crapshoot as, as we've ever seen. Because teams can't work them out individually. They weren't able to go to the schools to see them in their pro days. They're all relying on film and conversations with former teammates and former coaches. So I, it, I think this year's draft is going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Not just what happens this weekend, but what happens after weeks three and four and season two or three down the road because of how truly unique it is and how it's been and trying to figure out who to draft. Will Jordan Love be drafted? Will David Woodward get drafted? Will Dominant Everly get drafted? How many other Aggies sign undrafted free agents, free agency deals with teams? This is going to be a really interesting weekend, AJ. The 2020 NFL Draft, again, will start tomorrow at 6 p.m. for round one. Friday will be rounds two and three at 5 p.m. Saturday, April 25th, will house the final fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds at 10 a.m. You can find these... Uh, rounds in the NFL Draft on Thursday will be ABC, ESPN, NFL Network, and ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Radio. Same for Friday, except you add on ESPN2, and the same for Saturday, except you take away ESPN2. Uh, here's Roger Goodell, by the way. Uh, he is talking about, he uh, had a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a conference call, um, but uh, talked about a couple of things uh, about the draft, and uh, he talked about announcing the picks from his own basement affectionately called the man cave in our family because as you know I have twin girls and my wife and um, it really hasn't been a man cave but it is where uh, I watch football when I'm home um, on the weekends when I'm not traveling and um, it's a it's a perfect spot for it uh, I'm looking forward to being down there um, we got it pretty well set up now it's gonna be a little different than it is obviously when I'm watching games on Sunday but um, you know we'll uh, we'll we'll make it work it'll be terrific and it'll be fun Commissioner Goodell also playing or uh, talking about playing football without fans. Can it work? We're going to do the things we need to do to make sure we're operating safely, and that includes our fans. So if we can't uh, obviously bring uh, fans into a, a stadium environment without being safe, then we'll look at those alternatives. But, I, you know, I think at this stage, you know, everything's on the table. We've got to be smart, and we want to try to do what we can to continue playing football but do it incredibly safely. Again, April 23rd, round one of the NFL Draft will be at 6 p.m. on ESPN, ABC, and ESPN Radio uh, to uh, to see if Jordan Love ends up in round one or does he go early in round two. Eric and I will give our predictions uh, tomorrow on just that. All right, we've got to take a break. Coming back, Eric Franson had a chance to talk to Ryan Gruning, the Skyview High School Athletic Director. And had a really good conversation with a broad wide of topics in high school sports, including the petition that's come out from high schoolers. Eric will tease that interview and then we'll and then we'll get right into it. It's a full court press. Eric France and LJ Salveson on 106 on FM thirteen ninety AM the fan. The full court press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, the fan. 
Skyview Athletics has certainly had a significant run of success over the last year. Of course, it dates back to about a year ago when the uh, the, the girls' soccer team uh, did really well, and, and the, the boys' soccer team has done well. The, the, the uh, football team has done well. The men's basketball team has done well. Uh, they've had a lot of successes with uh, the athletic department and the, the programs, athletic programs at Skyview High School. One of the main guys uh, certainly involved with that is Ryan Grunig. He is their athletic director at Skyview High School. Uh, Ryan, uh, thanks for coming on and, and joining us a little bit here to, to talk about uh, the string of successes, but also what's going on now with Skyview and how things are kind of put on hold. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, uh, my pleasure to get to talk about the great things going on at Skyview and the weird situation we find ourselves in right now. You guys have filled your trophy cases a lot over the last 12 months um, with state championships or runners-up for state championships. What's the secret sauce with what's going on in, in Smithfield? Um, I think the secret is is we've got great kids that, uh, first of all, they excel in the classroom. Uh, we have super high GPAs, and uh, as a coaching staff and athletic department, We've always said that uh, success in the classroom translates to success on the field. And so they take that success and then they just come out and they work hard. But we have an amazing group of coaches that uh, care about the kids uh, first most. They know The kids know that they'll do anything for them. And as a result, they work really hard and they buy into the plans the coaches come up with and... Uh, just execute them, but then we also have a group of coaches that know we plan, but yet we let our kids execute and uh, do use their strengths, and we don't try to pigeonhole what they do. Well, it's it's paying off. It's working. Uh, the, there's a high level of success in a lot of those uh, teams in their uh, level of competition, and certainly others have taken notice for what's going on there. Recently, uh, just this week, you were recognized uh, as and got a pretty significant honor. It was a national honor um, from the uh, National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association, uh, and basically, you you won the state award of merit for is that just for the state of Utah for your work in yeah. Utah? Yeah, it is. So, what does that mean? What is that group, and, and what does this honor and recognition mean? Um, the state award merit is selected by the Utah Interscholastic Athletics Association, who uh, then submits that honor back to the NIAAA. And it's selected by peers. And yeah, I, I, I'm the president of that group right now. And uh, during our board meeting in, Jan- in January, uh, they started going over uh, selecting awards that we would be giving out this year. And my name came up and even though I was the president, I had nothing to do with it. It was selected on by my peers, which was a great honor for them to, you know, see the success at Skyview high school and the things that are going on, but also to, uh, select me because there are so many great athletic directors. I can think of every, athletic director in our region and I know a lot of them throughout the state and so it was quite an honor to uh, be selected 
and a humbling experience for me to be selected by my peers. So is it, uh, it was, is there a ceremony that would normally have taken place, but it's that doesn't happen now because of coronavirus, or does you get like a plaque in the mail, or how does that work? Um, normally, uh, we have our state conference every year this time of year, and uh, down in St. George, and there would have been an award of that uh, with a plaque and a presentation during our conference. But because of coronavirus, we have put our conference on hold till the first week in August. Hopefully, we'll get it in then, and so the ceremony will take place then. But because of coronavirus and the things uh, they did, the national uh, NIAAA released those announcements for the states uh, now because they didn't know when things would take place. Makes sense. Uh, again, talking to Ryan Grunick, who is the uh, director of athletics at Skyview High School. And with what's going on with coronavirus right now, the Utah High School Activities Association recently announced that with school being dismissed through the end of the of the regular school year, all athletics will also be suspended through the end of the school year. Uh, how difficult has that been in your position in dealing with those coaches and, and athletes that got that news? Um. It's, it's been hard. Uh, you know, my heart goes out to those kids that want to play and to those coaches that dedicate so much time uh, to it, but especially to our seniors who, for the majority of them, it'll be the last time they get to put on a school uniform uh, to represent their schools and stuff. And that has been a very hard uh, thing for, for them to accept. And so we've found, tried to find ways to honor them uh, if you drive past the school uh, by the football field we have their senior banner hanging on the fence with their team pictures and we're finding ways to honor them and uh, showing them our appreciation for what they've done because senior nights are taken away and those opportunities for recognition but still our first and foremost priority is for the safety of our student athletes our coaches and their families and also to follow the directives given by the local health department, the state health department, and then also the governor's office uh, to do our part to help flatten the curve and to get this pandemic passed so that we can have a return to a normal life of having high school go on like it normally is with sports and all the great things that take place there. Yeah, there's certainly still concern that fall sports uh, are still in question if this continues to go on. Uh, but with what's going on now, there's a video that's been going around. It's being shared on social media. There's a petition that uh, a lot of uh, these spring sport athletes are involved with um, trying to make an appeal that uh, let's let's open things up for these high school sports to uh, to continue uh, keep people out of the stands, but let let the kids play. Is that first? Is that is it feasible? And second, what's is it likely that something like that would really work? Um, I, I don't think it's really feasible uh, right now uh, because, like I said, we, you know we're concerned about the, uh, our health of our student athletes and coaches and families, and also to follow the orders of the governor. And, you know, and we'll see where things lead, but, and they'll, they'll lead us in the direction that we need to so that we can get on with this and get back to that normal life. And I, but I think the whole video thing, it shows the passion that the kids have uh, of 
being able to honor their schools and being able to represent them. And I think, you know, we, we always hear the motto of it doesn't matter whether you finish first or last. It's, it's when you look at that video, it's not just all the state champion schools on there represented. And it's kids from all walks of life. And they just, they want to be involved and, and find ways of doing it. But I, I think that also they understand they want to be part of the solution to get over this pandemic and not to cause more problems and, and not to put other people in jeopardy. What has been your role in working with the, the coaches and, and these players? Are you interacting with them on a regular basis and uh, where they're not doing sports or, or uh, coaches still reaching out to these, these athletes? Yeah, um, the state uh, recently, well, yesterday, released uh, some guidelines uh, for coaches and stuff. They officially put uh, the, the state on a moratorium uh, during this time, which means no organized practices and things like that can take place. But they gave them direction on uh, that you can do things remotely through Zoom or you know Google Meets, whatever platform you choose to use uh, to meet with your players, do a game film breakdown, do uh, different uh, meetings and stuff. And the main reason for doing that is because they're concerned about the mental health of these kids and coaches have such a impact on their lives. And so they want them to be able to interact with their coaches, but do it safely. Well, Ryan, we appreciate the time. Congratulations on the honor and the recognition. Certainly well-deserved. There's been a lot of success with Skyview High School lately. And uh, best of luck with things going forward. Well, thank you very much. Don't ask why. It just does it. <laughs> Don't ask why. It's got an issue in here. <laughs> hey, that's our friends with Ryan Grunick, Skyview High School Athletic Director and honoree of, what's the award called? Athletic Director of the Year? Uh... Basically, it's a, the State Award of Merit. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's a, from a group. It's got a long title, but um, it's the 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 state or the Utah Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association nominated him for this award, and then it was officially given from the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Okay. Yes. So, anyways, nonetheless. The most important thing, he is the Athletic Director of the Year uh, for the uh, State of Utah in Athletics. Congratulations to uh, Mr. Ryan Grunig. I loved his answer, Eric. When asked, and you asked, and you had to ask him, and you did, and I loved it, but I loved his answer in response to you of the whole you know, petition. Look, these kids have passion. They want to play. They love their school. They love the tradition. They want to be part of that tradition. And they still are, even though they didn't get a chance to play. But at the same time, we are going to follow the orders that have been given by our governor and local leaders as well. Um, and that we are going to make sure that the safety and pr- is, is a number one priority of these kids' lives. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really smart way to answer because he could have gone off and said, yeah, why aren't we playing? Why can't we play in the summer? Why can't we play in July? Yeah, the, 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 the theme of the video is delay is okay, but let us play. And I... Man, Ajay, both you and I, we, we love sports. We would love to see sports played, and we all feel sick that especially the seniors had their seasons uh, robbed of them, uh, that they were taken away and uh, that they're not going to be able to, to take place. But 
But here's the thing. If, if you allow the, the sports to play, then you need to find a way to allow the band kids, concert people to have their, their spring and uh, competitions that they were planning on, the, the drama kids that were working on their plays and their musicals, the, the debate kids that were getting ready for their debate championships, and so many other activities that, that take place and were going to take place but didn't. So I believe me, I feel bad that it, it happened f- to all of them, yeah. but just to yeah. say we're going to open it up for one but not the other at the high school level becomes really problematic. And the bottom line, too, is it. yes, things are improving. Maybe some things are starting to open up still a little bit, but we ha- we still have to be careful, and I don't think we're out of the woods yet. No. It's it's looking up, but we're not done. Right, yes. We still got we still got work to do. Hey, I was going to ask you, because you have kids who go to Ridgeline, is that right? Yes. They got to be bummed out. I mean, are they? do they miss school as much as kids get on social media and say, oh, I miss school so much? Uh, it's funny. Kids- so initially, they're, my kids are pretty well suited to this uh, just stay home and isolate thing because they watch <laughs> movies, you know, play video games, whatever. But uh, we went on a bike ride this weekend. We went down by the school and I was asking my high schooler, like, did that make you miss school? He says, you know, really? It, it kind of does. Really? Just they, they miss, I don't think they miss like the, the, the social pressure and the anxiety with testing, but they miss interacting with all their friends. Uh, and uh, and they do the, the the learning that they're doing at home just isn't the same, and so there are aspects of it that yeah they they do miss that. Certainly, a lot of things they don't believe me, but there are some aspects of it that they they miss being able to interact with their friends and their peers, um, at uh, on a daily basis. I get I kind of get tired of hearing from people, uh, who say, "Look, it's your senior season." All right, who cares? Like, you'll have more senior seasons to come. You'll have school, you know, the following year. Think about college graduates or people who lost their jobs or whatever. That still doesn't, like, look, when you know someone is going to die, it is it is uh, inevitable that they are going to die within the day, the, the minute, the hour, whatever. It doesn't make it any easier that they're still going to die. Now, I, I know I'm comparing, like, life and death to, to school, but at the same time, these kids, like, they still have a reason to be bummed out. I mean, they they still can be sad. They can still be disappointed. They can still be frustrated. That's okay. So for people who are making fun of or giving grief for being upset, for being disappointed, shame on you. Yeah, you know what? It's totally normal and totally fine to be upset about this and to feel sad. Um, I mean, look, up until a week ago, early last week, there was still some glimmer of hope that maybe somehow... School could still happen in May, and maybe we cut all the non-region stuff out and we just do region games. There was still some glimmer of hope that that could happen. And then last week, the announcement came that, nope, sorry, we're going to shut it down for the rest of the school year. So it's, it is hard. I get it. And you know what? I appreciate the passion. I can't fault any of those kids in that video or anybody else who was behind it. Uh, I applaud them for trying to make an effort, but I just it's not... It's not going to happen. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, now it's time to hear from the Mountain West Conference Commissioner, Part 2. Two days ago, we played Part 1. Uh, Erica is going to tease what is going to happen in Part 2, what Commissioner Thompson will be speaking about, and then we'll go ahead and play that eight-minute audio for you. For now, though, let's get to this week in the NFL, or the lack of. I'm Ryan Radke with NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. 
From retirement to reuniting with Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski is back in the NFL and on his way to Tampa after the Patriots agreed to trade the All-Pro tight end to the Buccaneers. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reports the deal sends Gronk and a seventh-round pick from New England to Tampa in exchange for the Bucs' fourth-rounder. Rapsheet also noting Gronk will honor what's left on his contract one year and $10 million for the 2020 season in Tampa Bay. Dak Prescott's franchise tag has become more lucrative. Rappaport reporting that Prescott's exclusive franchise tag was recalculated and his tag number in 2020 jumped by more than $4.5 million to over $31 million. And Lamar Jackson says he'll be on the cover of the new Madden 21 video game, which is set to be released in August. In a live interview on the team's Facebook page, the reigning MVP called it a dream come true. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the full court press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Oh, welcome to back to the full court press. No, before we get to this, are you telling me the truth about the meteors? Are you lying to me? Yes. Okay, because I've seen Armageddon, okay? And when it like sets the world on fire, I've seen it. Those are meteors. Is that what's happening no, those tonight? Are asteroids. No, those, those are, are meteors. asteroids. I looked it up on Wikipedia as soon as the show was over. It, those are <laughs> meteors. There's there's a meteor shower going on. I guess it's peaking. It peaked last night, and, and tonight will be the last real good night to see the Lyrids meteor shower. I swear and I asked Ajay, I said, hey, you going to watch the meteors? <laughs> he says, what? <laughs> the meteor shower. What is that? What, you don't know what a meteor shower is? In India, is? we don't have those, okay? In India, You're thinking like we were just given rain. Yeah, dude, because when you hear meteor, that's what it is. I mean, why not? It's a I mean, big fireball that comes down and hits you right we in the freaking forehead. We got earthquakes. We got I'm serious. That's crazy what a stuff meteor going shower. on, so now we got things falling from the sky. Wait, it's not things. It's, it's meteors falling from the sky. It looks like a sky. lot of shooting stars is all it'll be. But it looks like and we're going to have And it turns into like a covered. bigger ball of fire that no. gets bigger and bigger as it comes and lands on top of you. I've never heard of a meteor. I feel like you're making this up. They burn up in the atmosphere. Are you making this up? I feel no. like I've never heard of a meteor shower in my life. And I'm pretty well intelligent when it comes to my weatheritism. Okay, I think you just shot your argument in the foot right there. Hey, dude, by We're the short way. short on time. Okay, well, hold on. Shams tweeted out that Nick's owner, James Dolan, has recovered from the coronavirus and has donated his blood plasma to research for potential treatments, team spokesperson says. That's a good news, right? Read the replies. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal, man. Oh, it's brutal. All right, we are ready out of time, so let's get to it. Uh, Eric, Mount West Conference Commissioner, part two. Yeah, really, he, this one he focuses pretty much solely on college football, and he says a lot of things that we have been discussing, that if if there's one school, one campus, among any of the schools that participate at the same level that restricts students from, from coming onto their campus, he doesn't see a way that football could happen. And then how that affects like payouts, how that affects a lot of other things. It's really interesting comments from uh, uh, Mountain West Conference Commissioner Craig Thompson. Commissioner, appreciate you stopping by once again. Thank you, Jess. All right, let's talk about uh, what we're dealing with right now in college athletics. I'm curious, how much will a campus have to say as it relates to when it's safe, when they feel that it's safe to get back and resume uh, on the field of play? That's maybe the most uh, simple answer we can provide. 
the campus will have all the say unless they're in full mode with dormitories and housing and, and all the other facilities that are open, we won't have college athletics. We will not have college athletics until the campuses are open. So who is in charge of ultimately saying yes? Is it health officials, president, governors, NCAA, or somebody else? There seems to be a bit of a debate over that these days, Jesse, and I, and I think that it's a combination of all those. Certainly the medical professionals will have tremendous input. Uh, the federal government, the state governments, even locally. You know, it's interesting to read how each state, uh, arguably right now there's maybe 20 to 30 potential states that could have somewhat of a, a rollback opening, a rolling opening rather. And, you know, so, so they're maybe possibly ready to, uh, to resume whatever normal is. But, uh, you know, for those that aren't, it's going to take a combination of, of several sources to make the determination is it safe to to reopen and and get 30,000 students uh, co-mingling on a campus. On top of that at the conference level I would imagine it's very difficult with eight different states uh, being involved in the Mountain West. How does that complicate you at the conference level deciding when it's safe because it may be safe for one state according to that particular state and it may not be for another? Yeah, and, and really it won't be a conference decision uh, on that particular thing. As an example, Wyoming does not have a stay-at-home policy in place. I believe there's eight states that do not. And so that's the, the, one of the key questions. Let's say uh, we're saying it's safe and we're going to resume campus activities, including practice and, and football and soccer and volleyball and the other fall sports and 39 states are open for business, campus is, is resuming normalcy, but those other 11, do we have to have unanimity? Do we have to wait until all 50 are open? Because you can understand the clamor that would be if certain coaches are saying, well, they can practice in seven of the Mountain West states, but we can't in the eighth, so none of you can practice until we can practice and open up our campus. So those are going to be some very heavy questions for us to address in the coming months. This is the great unknown, but how concerned are you that fall sports are going to be impacted at some point? Well, I think they'll be impacted. You know, it's interesting, the debate in, in football, for instance, uh, some people, it seems to to reason that six to seven weeks is the uh, suggested time it would take for them to get ready and resume. You know, remembering a lot of these football players haven't been on campus, haven't been in personal contact with their coach, uh, uh, certainly virtual contact and workouts, etc. But, you know, those people, it's going to take a, a while to condition and then to put in, you know, the processes and the normal coaching. And so, you know, we're, we're hearing anywhere from uh, six to seven weeks, eight weeks minimum. Others are saying we can get it done in four weeks. They seem to be in a minority. So there's a number of groups within the NCA structure uh, talking with the football coaches. How much time do you need? And, and certainly you cannot bring the football players back until campus is open or ready to open. And then on top, you're going to add your volleyball players, your soccer players, your other fall sports. So I think there's going to be a continued impact until we know if and when we can resume 
uh, practice and competition. Uh, the Mountain West sponsors and, and its member institution sponsors many sports. Is there a scenario where some sports return but not others, or is it an all-or-nothing scenario? I think it's got to be all-or-nothing. I, I cannot imagine that we would bring football players back and, and not allow the other sports to come back, one person's opinion. What are some key dates or some events that we should look for here in the near future that might give us some insight into what direction we might be headed? Well, you know, potentially, if you go back to an eight-week preparation for college football to resume and the historic Labor Day weekend opening of college football, that might be your first barometer. So sometime early July, uh, a decision would need to be made that we're going to start the season uh, Labor Day weekend. What sort of contingency plans or some creative scenarios uh, are you or member institutions or college athletics starting to entertain as it looks ahead to the college football season and how it might play out? The, uh, the better question might have been what isn't being considered. It's amazing. You know, we're talking about a Labor Day start, a normal historic Labor Day start. There's conversation about October. Uh, there's conversation about spring football in 2021, which will coincide with the basketballs and other sports. Uh, then you get into uh, facilities, you get into the logistics of, can you play a football game in March in Colorado? And those types of conversations. And, and then lastly, you know, and certainly, uh, how, how does that blend into the academic calendar? And what does that do up against a number of professional sports that are playing at the same time? There's always an overlap between college sports and professional sports, but it's mostly by season, NFL, college football, uh, NBA, college basketball, et cetera. If they're all being played generally on top of each other, you know what challenges those create. The conference recently entered in a six-year media rights agreement with both CBS and Fox. How is the conference working with both of those networks to prepare for the possibility of a shortened season? And are there any discussion for reduced or deferred payments if the college football season is altered? We haven't even got to any of the uh, deferred payments or, or any of the financials, uh, Jesse. What we're talking about now is... Uh, business as usual, not knowing that it's not going to start on Labor Day weekend or knowing that it is going to start on Labor Day weekend. You have to be prepared. And so we're, we're talking, we just gave CBS uh, by contractual rights the, the first seven picks and you know they're looking at those games now. And, and so we're, we're kind of business as usual uh, with the eye knowing that it may change tomorrow. What are the possible financial implications for the conference and its membership if the football season is impacted? Well, you know, it's large. You know, we, uh, with the, the CBS and Fox new media contracts, we're anticipating a, a three-fold increase over uh, past rights fees. And so, you know, if we, if we don't fulfill and, and provide them with uh, a 12-week schedule and games, over, over the course of nearly four months, uh, there will be an impact. And, you know, it's, it's just too early to say, are we going to play 12 games or not? Oh, well, Commissioner, I know you. All right, that's enough from you guys. Uh, <laughs> Eric, uh, there was a group of five poll that came out, and there was one specifically on the Mountain West Conference. So, yeah, so we just heard from Conference Commissioner Craig Thompson. How do fans in the Mountain West feel he is doing? How would they rate him? 
On a scale of one to five, one being least favorable and five being most favorable, uh, the biggest category is at a three, about 33%. The next biggest is at a four. So I guess generally, yeah, okay, maybe a little better than okay. Um, but they think the Mountain West TV situation is really not that great, even despite the new news about CBS and, and Fox. Um, and then the overall membership with its schools, they feel okay about it. So it, it, not really strong, great opinions throughout the Mountain West about how things are going. By the way, that music from Disney was not us. That was their choice. Yeah, that was not us. <laughs> right. That wasn't our music that we put in there. That in was fact, part of their video. Our, uh, receptionist just walked in. When I said that, she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, okay. All right, for Eric France and LJ Salveson, we'll talk to you NFL Draft tomorrow night. Here are predictions. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Well, he's back. Rob Gronkowski ended his one-year retirement and will rejoin Tom Brady on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The surprising news dropped on Tuesday, and it escalated fast. The Bucs sent a fourth-round pick to the Patriots and got Gronk and a seventh-round pick. Gronk seems to be having a great time away from the game. He was working with the WWE and showing up at fun events all over. But the temptation to play with Brady again was enough to get him back on the field. Now Brady has serious weapons in Tampa. Gronk joins 